Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chris, you were disappointed with your crack. Are you disappointed with the beer? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. (laughs) Fuck it. All right. Welcome in. What's brewing, everybody? couple of fiddlehead ipas were brewing on the what's that fifth floor of td garden the I'm other so night mad i just I'm cracked sure my beer that... and it was the least uh the, the least pleasing crack of the yeah beer. maybe we can like audio in post we can add one in there that's a little bit better but we are here to talk about hockey again and some beer of course this is the Bruce and burns podcast i have no idea what episode we're on uh, let's let's do the rounds we got pat laverty here pat was gracious enough to uh grace me with one of his extra tickets for opening night, going to see Badaddy and the Blackhawks, as well as old friends Taylor Hall, Nick Felino, and, of course, Ryan Donato in town. Uh, and at, speaking of old friends, a lot of old friends for the Bruins also in town for this one, uh, which we'll talk about in just a sec. But first, we'll do some beers. Chris, you were disappointed with your crack. Are you disappointed with the beer? Woo! <laughs> 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 cold open. <laughs> Can you tell us about your crack, Chris? That was uh, was actually completely by accident, and I couldn't be happier about it. All right. Uh, This beer I've had on this podcast several times, it's a Montucky cold snack. It's just the the classic beer-flavored beer. Tastes like like upscale friend's basement. Um, (laughs) Drinkability... 37 you can drink this all day uh tasteability it tastes like a beer it's kind of like a on the lighter end it's a little bit of a a lager goes like a 13 on tasteability overall good beer very nice love to see it uh i've got a beer that does not really taste like beer this is a rising tide blueberry squadron uh it is a pretty bright I wouldn't quite say magenta, but kind of a reddish, pinkish color here. Um, smells very sweet. Taste-wise, I imagine, yep, probably going to be pretty sweet. Very juicy, actually. It tastes more like a like an alcoholic juice than like a beer. Going to be for some people, going to be not for other people. Personally, I really like it. I just ate dinner, so it's like a nice little dessert beer. Probably would only be able to do one because it is very sweet. <clears throat> um has, you know, obviously a little bit of a sourness to it. Uh, I don't even know what percentage this is. Let's take a look here. 5.7. All right. Respectable. <clears throat> uh, sour ale with Maine blueberries, of course. 
Rising Tide here in Portland, Maine. Um, drinkability going to be fairly high. I'm going to say 25 for how sweet it is. It is really smooth. It's got a kind of a full body to it still. And uh, tasteability, like a 34. It's definitely definitely very sweet. Um, good beer. Nice, nice little dessert beer for sure. Pat, what you got? All right. So I even saved the crack. Mm. <laughs> actually even the crack. crack nice nice so i got my one of my favorites i got the the left hand milk stout so i think we've had uh that one on here before oh, oh that one was that was an all-time crack right there wow. yeah okay, let's superimpose that over uh, yeah <laughs> a, a beer is cracked on this podcast and you get the co2 to pop right in there with it all yeah. well let's i'm gonna put that one over chris's and then chris is over that one so it's really confusing <laughs> about why we reacted the way we did to each but yeah, this is always a, a good one because it's like 6% alcohol. So that's something that does not going to be very high on that drinkability list. You don't want too many of these things. But yeah, I always like the, the creaminess of that. So for me, the the taste is we, we can't quite go to the 37 on the taste, I think, but it's still up there. So can we go with like a, a 30 on the taste on the drinkability? Because they're so heavy in that high alcohol content, probably about a 12. So 30 and a 12 there. Nice. We had a uh, couple of fiddleheads, as I mentioned in the open uh, during the game on Wednesday. I feel like we need to like post review those. Cause that's a really good beer. I like those a lot. I feel like you can get those anywhere. Who is, is that Sierra Nevada that does them? I'm making that up. I'm not sure who does that but i also don't know about the quality of your beer after you spilled it all over the garden floor yeah well that one i did not oh apparently fiddlehead brewing company is its own thing wow okay. well you know um i did go i would say Children like Vermont. one one and a half or two with the beers i one of them i donated a little bit to the garden i was kind of i figured i'd do like the nathan horton you know what i mean you gotta pour a little of the home ice on the so uh, it was one of those. It was, it was like that, but for brews and brews. We're putting a little bit of our our water, which of course is, is fiddlehead IPAs, and uh, leaving a little bit for the garden for good luck for this season. Just a christening, if you will. But um, let's let's get into it. So I, I always am curious to like get the the in person versus watched on TV difference in, in vibes and, and takeaways for certain players. So I'm especially interested to hear Chris's thoughts uh, after game one. But of course. We're talking about the season opener for the Bruins. The Blackhawks have played the night before open the season in Pittsburgh, uh, where the next phenom, Connor Bedard, had an assist in game one. Uh, I texted Pat beforehand on the way to the game, and I was like, do we want to see Bedard score tonight? I was like, I kind of want to, but also like, I need the Bruins to win. Uh, he, he did end up scoring, of course, pretty much right off the bat. I think it was only five or six minutes in. Uh, killed a little bit of the, the energy from before the game and the centennial celebration, which we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, Bruins would end up coming back uh, three goals despite four goal scorers, which I still don't understand. Pasternak had two, and then Trent Fred and Eric all combined for one goal. Um, Matthew Poitras making his NHL debut, getting a point, as well as Johnny Beecher getting a fight or something like that. Uh, let's let's start before the game, though. So, Pat, you and I were in the building. Uh, a really cool, I thought, celebration of the, of the 100th season for the Bruins, obviously going underway this year. Uh, a lot of old names, recognizing guys who obviously had passed away from from the original couple teams. Um, was the ghost was, of Dick Clapper there? The ghost of Dick Clapper was not there, but I think he got a shout out. Um, as did I think Fern Flamin. So your your uh, your podcasting to hockey equivalent is is <laughs> being remembered. But 
Uh, I was I was really impressed with how many people they got to turn out for that. Uh, I assume most of the ceremony was probably shown on TNT. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, I can't correct you because I did not watch the ceremony. Fair enough. Uh, I'm sure still, Nesson at least I was still did working it. when it was going on. But um, a couple surprise faces, looking at U.S. Bazito, Bobby Orr was there, was awesome. Johnny Busick, uh, everybody, you know, obviously from some of the recent teams, a lot of 2011 guys. Sean Thornton showed up. Uh, Tim Thomas crawled out of the bunker. It was a, it was a cool experience. But Pat, what was what was kind of your takeaway from that? I thought that was pretty incredible the way they brought everybody back and how they even represented. I think it was everybody with the retired number with some kind of family member. I think a few of them were kids and grandkids, which it's kind of amazing to think how far back some of those people go when you see their their family members. And I I remember as they were bringing the the people out, I I think they were going through some of the, uh, the Stanley cup winning teams. And at one point, they went through like the, the 71, 72 teams. Cheevers was there and uh, a couple others as well. And I, I remember even looking over you. I'm like, where's number four? He didn't come out with them. Yeah. And they, they saved that one for a little bit later. That was great to see. And I, I really thought that Tim Thomas was going to bring the house down with that kind of with building up to him. He was probably one of the biggest ovations that we did here yeah. because I think most people in the building – were around for and experienced 2011 so that was pretty huge but from there it just kept building even after thomas when they brought out chara and krejci and then finally bergeron was just incredible to see those guys back and one of the other things I remember mentioning that on that carpet where they had chara krejci bergeron standing there in jeans i think i mentioned to you i'm like there are guys down there in jeans right now that are better than half the Blackhawks. <laughs> you would not be wrong. Yes, he did. You did give that one. That was, that was a good one. But um, yeah, no, it was a really, it was a really neat ceremony. Like, like Pat said, it was awesome just to see, I mean, to be in the same building as, as Bobby or at any point is incredible, but then you stack on Esposito, Terry O'Reilly, uh, again, like, unfortunately not for Flamin. Um, but we did pretty well regardless. Um, and especially with, with some of the younger guys, younger, I say, as in like, you know, the Chars, the Bergerons, the Krejci's, um, having all of them in, in one building, I'm sure it was really cool and, um, must've been an awesome experience for everybody on the team. But I think especially for like a guy like Patra, who we'll talk about here in a sec, or Johnny Beecher, getting your first taste of NHL action. And I mean, you talk about the pageantry that you get only in the NHL and, you know, having all that on a roll before you step on the ice for the first time must have been pretty cool. If not, a little extra nerve-wracking for making you wait it out and sweat, sweat it a little bit longer, but uh, hopefully they got a chance to enjoy it. I'm sure Poitra did with the uh, with the Apple he ended up having. Yeah, I think one of my other favorite stories, and I, I don't know if I have all the, the details exactly right, but I think it was when uh, DeBrusque was coming up as a rookie and uh, he was kind of – hanging out in the dressing room and, you know, you get always the, the equipment guys running around and there's always different people, staff people doing different things. And I, I think uh, DeBrusque didn't really understand who was who quite yet. And he was just kind of, you know, being respectful and nice to all the equipment guys and all the staff. And then uh, talking about like, I, he might've mentioned to uh, at the time, uh, one of the other veterans, like, do you think any of these guys could play hockey or anything like that? One of them looks at him and was like, do you know who that old guy is that's running around in here? The one that does our travel, the one that gives us our money and puts us on the bus. And he's like, well, who's that? He's like, you see number nine up there? <laughs> that's Johnny. B- yep. <laughs> that's Johnny Music. So it's, a, it is amazing the way some of these old guys have just kind of 
stuck around with the organization. Like Bork's another one that he's always around. He's a restaurant mm-hmm. right down the street from the garden. And I, I've been there a couple of times. I asked the servers, I'm like, is he ever in here? They're like, yep. <laughs> All the time you stop in before a game and there's a good chance that you'll see Ray Bork there. Yeah. They so, also uh, brought Cam Neely out to, which I thought was just a bold move. <laughs> very funny meme of uh, the like Obama giving himself the Medal of Honor. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that was I think that was Petrov McGuire who posted that over the like. The Bruins are proud to present Cam Neely as a member of the Centennial team. Uh, we were talking about it though. Like, you kind of have to have them, but like, also, it's like I, I'm, I, I feel like that would have been one where they probably could have just like put the spotlight up and like the you know exec box and he like gives a wave from his suit. <laughs> yeah, just, like, like the whole away. yeah, like one of those like angry Cam Neely wave things. Um, but it was it was cool to get him involved for sure. And I mean, hell, they even brought Milan Lucic back for the game. That was crazy, <laughs> right? That's just for <laughs> the one day. It's just yeah, they, they let, let him play. they let him hit the score sheet. Yeah, that's, they let him hit the score sheet, and it wasn't really a fight, which is crazy. But uh, let's let's talk about it. What were some some I guess broader takeaways from the game? Uh, obviously, nice comeback win for the Bruins. Uh, the empty netter probably made the scoreline look a little bit more. I mean, I don't know, two one, two goal scoreline rather in hockey is too crazy. Um, power play I think went zero for three, not great. Penalty kill went three for three though, pretty good. Um, what would you know? How do you guys feel the one game into a, a season, obviously, with a, a lot of changes from um, when, of course, the National Hockey League's playoff was cut off before game seven of, of Bruins in Florida last year? Biggest takeaway, uh, I mean, obviously, you've got the the big holes at center, and the guy we're all looking at is Matthew Poitras. Um, my takeaway is if he plays like this, like, there's no way you can send him back after nine more games mm-hmm. um yeah the i don't see him necessarily needing to be the solution at like one c or anything right now but as long as you've got someone filling that role on the third line or you know maybe even jumping up at times um you know there's no guarantee of health on those top two lines so um yeah i mean that would be a, a huge boost for a team losing you know, two legendary players at the center position. Um, I guess my other big takeaway is uh, I I think that game was not as close uh, as it seemed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, you know, looking at a lot of the numbers afterwards um, and just watching it, uh, it really felt like the Bruins were kind of dominating possession and, you know, that forward Shattenkirk pairing, like it just really worked out. And I think a lot of people are freaking out over both of those guys. Um, I am not the biggest forward guy. No offense to Daryl Forsbrand, but um, I, I thought the Shattenkirk signing was a really good one. And maybe those are two guys who complement each other really well. And they they acquitted themselves pretty well. Um, Shattenkirk was great on the second power play, I think. Forbert really good on the penalty kill. Um I think everybody did a pretty good job of shutting down that that top line with Bedard. Um, the that goal was kind of more of a fluky thing where the the puck kind of bounced behind the net and Olmark didn't see it. And you know, heads up play, heads up play by Bedard to like gather it and wrap it around. But goal scores goal, but yeah, yeah, nothing to freak out about either from a, a Bruins perspective. Um, 
Yeah, and that goal was scored like right in front of where you and I were sitting, Cam. And I, I think yeah. both of us kind of had the same reaction. Like we could see it coming. We're like, no, get over there. Yeah, as soon as it went behind the net and Bedard won the race, you were like, oh, Mark's not getting over. He was a little, a little too casual. I actually didn't even notice, like Chris had said, that it seemed like he just didn't even see it get back there to begin with. Uh, I thought he was just a little too casual getting post to post. But, no, he, you know. he clearly didn't see it at all. No. Yeah, because I, I watched it back on, on replay a little bit later. And like Chris said, it was like bouncing around. It was like six guys right where the puck was bouncing around. And you can see Elmark looking over his left shoulder trying to, to find the puck. And there's just a mess of guys. And the next thing you know, there's Bedard doing his little speedy thing around. And the, when he put it in the in the net, Elmark's pad was almost there. It was like just inches away from being to, to close it off. So it, as wide open as it seemed, it was still pretty close. But yeah. also to a, a point that Chris was making earlier about the uh, centers down the middle, one of the things I was thinking the other day, that all four Bruin centers are only about $12 million on the salary cap, which at this point is pretty amazing, especially when you look around the league and you look at teams like Toronto, Edmonton, and how much that they have in center. Like, Of course, there's a world of difference between what the There are teams that have $12 million on their first center. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, Edmonton's got, you know, 20 million invested in McDavid and Dreisaitl, which I would do that all day. I would trade that. But at the same time, the Bruins have almost half of that on all four of their centers. And if they can keep that going throughout, you know, like, like Chris said, if, if we can keep these guys Beecher and Patras all year, that's going to be incredible. And then just keep that going to, to future years is going to be even better bringing up more of these minimum contract guys. Yeah, I think everybody had kind of penciled in Johnny Beecher as a bottom six guy, I hope, for the next few years. Obviously, Poitra, with how young he is, drafted, I think, last season, right? When we were 18. Um, having him slot in so soon was probably something that a lot of people like myself were not expecting to have happen. Um, obviously, a really welcome surprise, especially circumstantially. Again, I, I mean, if, if Bergeron and Krejci are here, he's not on the roster, just – uh, pretty clearly uh, last season. Um, but it, it does seem like it, it is a case where he's he's earning it, right? They have other options they can go to. They can go sign Dan Heinen, guy who can play in the center here. They can push off to the wing. But it seems at this point like he's earning a spot here. And it's not like they're, they're you know, trying to patch it um, with, with you know, some, some tape that doesn't fit here. So, it, you know, again, one game preseason was good. We'll be – very interesting to see, especially with how young he is again, whether he can carry it over the course of a fully two game season. Um, but right now certainly looked good. I thought that first goal was pretty much all him. He a really smart play from him. A lot of patience. I thought for a 19 year old kid making his NHL debut, bringing the puck in curling off toward the boards, kind of drawing in two defenders, uh, a just really heads up play. He was like, Oh, there's my guy, Brandon Scorlo over there. If I yeah. get the puck to him with space, obviously he's going to score, <laughs> except for if he's trying to shoot. Cause he had a fucking, pretty much empty net to shoot at later. Don't worry about that. Uh, a good Look, shot from, from he, Carlo. He might have even been trying to hit the net on that pass. but Yeah, who's <laughs> to say? Um, and then a, a really smart tip by Trent Frederick, who, again, another guy who you kind of brought in and, and I think penciled in as a bottom six guy, and it's going to stay there. But somebody who is making an impact, and um, I think especially now that he's kind of out of that like younger kid phase uh, as far as – comparisons with the rest of the team i think is going to grow into a bigger role this season and i thought he had a a really strong opening game um not the like kind of you know four check hit guys and move the puck off of me 
type of player that I think he gets kind of penciled in to be sometimes. I thought he drove play really well, actually, in that first game. Yeah, I was actually interested to see what he would do at 3C if the situation arose. But, I mean, obviously that's not happening anytime soon. I think Geeky's next guy up mm-hmm. for 3C if if Poitras goes down. Um, and by goes down, I mean is sent back, not uh, not injured. Yeah. I'm not wishing yeah. that on anybody. <laughs> no. Um, not never wishing being sent down on anybody either. But, yeah, I, I think all I saw from people in the offseason was, oh, Trent Frederick, what he scored – like upper teens and goals last year um, and had a pretty high shooting percentage. And I think a lot of people just looked at those two things and said, no, well, that's unsustainable. Um, but, you know, he he was really good last year. He, uh, he yeah. drove play offensively. And I think a lot of people wanted to attribute the third line success to other guys um, and not necessarily his development. And, I'm excited to see him continue to drive play on the third line. I think uh, he can help a guy like Matthew Potras succeed. And I don't, I honestly don't know anything about Morgan Geeky other than Chanel drafted him. Um, But I thought he looked, I thought he looked good on that line. Uh, Cool. Let's keep it rolling. Um, See what happens against like a real NHL team. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Um, I do want to talk Johnny Beach for a sec. I don't think he impressed quite as much as Patra, but I think he did look pretty good. Uh, honestly, the Bruins' fourth line in general looked pretty good. I thought Lucic honestly looked pretty solid for as much as we've joked about him over the last couple of weeks. Um, still looks a little slow, of course. He's not going to drive play with his speed, but he. I feel like for the most part, not kind of what I hope, I don't know biting myself for saying this, but I feel like he makes pretty smart decisions and that's what's kept him in the league for this long, despite his speed. Cause he can't catch up to people. He's not going to beat anybody in the foot race, but with the puck on his stick, he usually makes the right play, uh, which we saw with that pass to loot or to the Pasternak, nothing crazy, but a good little saucer pass over, I think, but art actually uh, to set up Poster for that first goal. Uh, and I thought the, the fourth line looked good all night, but. Um, hey, hey, with Lucic, you can't forget he takes the body and he had one really really good check on Pasternak after he scored that goal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. That was <laughs> Just a, pinned him into the boards. I had a, a teammate who I used to play with who was famous for headbutting people in the line after he scored. He would come in and just, like, concoct him. You'd have to, like, tell him to stop. But um, Beecher looked pretty good, got his first NHL fight, tossed around a little bit. Lucic said he's going to give him some pointers. Um, but I thought overall, uh, even even in the fight, he, he held himself up pretty well. Um, played a, a pretty good game. Again, not somebody here, and I expect him like the score sheet, but uh, made an impact out there, I would say, regardless. Yeah, and I think um, we also noticed a couple times that we saw the Johnny Beecher that we hear about where mm-hmm. he's carrying the puck in, and he can actually beat NHL defensemen. We see them that he can get around two guys, and then he gets all the way into the goalie, and then it's like, I don't know what to do with my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, I, it's amazing that he can just – he's got the speed to get in there, and he's all alone on the goalie, but he just doesn't know how to finish. How do you learn how to do that at the NHL level? Ho- hopefully there's somebody around that can say – Study from uh, Pasta and Marshy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Pasta obviously looked good, two goals, one of which was an empty net gift from Marshan. Uh, are are we going to talk Felger? Yeah. I actually didn't even see oh. it. Which I, oh, watch. I am actually, I usually get caught up in this bullshit. I'm actually so oh, silly ignorant right now. This is too fun not to, not to talk about. All right, so let me, hit, me, on, hit me with the garbage. What we on got? whatever, whatever TV show he's on with DJ Bean, he, he asked DJ, uh, 
why is David Pasternak on the ice in a situation in which you're trying to prevent a goal? And DJ very correctly pointed out one, uh, you know, one way to win a game when the other team pulls their goalie is to score a goal. And so putting your best goal scorer on the ice is not necessarily a bad move. Uh, and then uh, our our buddy Scott McLaughlin of Nesson pointed out on Twitter uh, that <laughs> Pasternak has a pretty good uh, record when on the ice with the goalie pulled against. And uh, also two icings had happened before that. So he couldn't have been off the ice if they wanted to take him off <laughs> yeah. the ice. Um, I, I love uh, Felger's hatred of David Pasternak. I think it's hilarious. Um, I kind of pulled together some statistics on, or, or I guess some player cards on Twitter just to, you know, show people. I, I'm not going to be one of those people who's really angry about it. Like I'm not going to get mad at Felger for, you know, doing his job, which is to rile people up. I think that's the, uh, the fault of the current media landscape, not just in sports, but everywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, his, his point I think is that, David Pasternak is like the worst defensive player in the league and he's always turning pucks over and uh, pretty much any statistical analysis will show you that that's not true. I think the uh, Andy and Rono are the ones who have him as the, have him the worst defensively at like the 31st percentile. Um, And I, I don't know what metrics go into all of these uh, analyses, but I know that, you know, David Pasternak's an insanely good offensive player. And one of the big things about being an effective hockey player is keeping the puck in the offensive zone. And as such, he's going to get a lot of offensive zone starts. He's going to be in a position where he's going to be scoring the puck and not necessarily putting him in positions to play defense. But, you know, last year he acquitted himself pretty well on the defensive end in, I think he's not great at denials or blocking pucks or anything like that, but I think he's pretty good at puck retrieval and getting the puck out of the defensive zone. Um, and he's not afraid to go, go into the corners. He's for a guy who started out pretty small. He was probably in like the five ten, one eighty range. Um, he's beefed himself up pretty well. He's he levels somebody in the corner. Grown to about six feet, and yeah, he he yeah. delivers some hits now. <laughs> yeah, um, like big hits. <laughs> He's he's built. I mean, we've we've all seen pictures of Pasta walking around with shorts on. Like he's got tank legs. A couple of trunkies. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too worried about him like getting bodied off the puck anymore. Um, and and I think uh, he, playing with David Krejci, who in his heyday was a great defensive player, I think he really fell off defensively. Um, in a way that Bergeron never did. Um, you know, just looking at the the numbers the last couple of years in terms of possession stats and, you know, expected goals against, like he's, he really trailed off. And um, I mean, Pavel Zaka is somewhere in the like mid to good range defensively. So I, I wouldn't say that anyone was carrying that line defensively last year. And I, I think that was, you know, a, a line that you felt comfortable deploying against anybody. Um, so let's put that narrative to rest. Like if anyone's just listening to Felger at all, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> just do yourself a favor and stop. He's he's not like DeBrusque, who I think has developed into a really good defensive player. Um, and I, I think that helped a lot with 
with Bergeron and Marchand like continuing to be really good defensively. And I think obviously they helped him as well. I, I don't think it's that kind of situation. Um, but yeah, he's fine. He's going to be amazing offensively. and He's going to be fine defensively. Yeah. It's, yes. it's like lesser extremes of Connor McDavid. Yeah. So oh, we made a career out of it. We'll be all right. <laughs> so yeah. The other thing that I liked about that finishing goal from uh, Pasternak at least from the, the angle that I had, it seemed like Marshan could have put the puck in the net himself. There was a defender over somewhat near him, and he just kind of slid it across to the wide open Pasternak to, to be absolutely sure, which, you know, that's all stuff we've seen before from, from Marshan to, to Bergeron, but it was kind of interesting to see him give up the, the goal chance just for the, the obvious one. Yeah. I, I think that's something that he pretty regularly does. Like, especially in situations where it doesn't feel like the game is on the line. I think he's, yeah. he's always deferring. And, and honestly, we've seen Pasternak do that too. Um, yep. I know Pasternak deferred to Bergeron a couple of times last year with empty net goals. And uh, a, a lot of us looking to see him score like 70 goals or anything that like that were a little disappointed. But, <laughs> you know, it goes to show he's uh, he cares more about, you know, the team and his teammates and he does about scoring goals. Yeah. It, it is at the end of the day, a net positive sign, even if you want to see this silly, silly stats that you can put up, but uh, marking down for 70 this year, though, it's, it'll come. <laughs> It'd be nice. Um, Quick pause for a reminder that the Bruce and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 in bonus bets instantly. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets. When you bet five on the NFL, that's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources couple other notes Montgomery switching lines up quite a bit I think you'll see a lot of that over the next couple games especially um the at the Nashville one Saturday when this is released and then a trip right out west um and then I think Chicago on the way back home would not be surprised to see the Bruins roll a couple different line combinations out, especially on the offensive side as they kind of try to figure out where everybody's falling into place here. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that's a fine thing. Get some different looks, find out connections. You know, it's very rare for a line to stay intact for a full 82 game. So figuring out what combinations you have that work well now is a, an important thing to have. Um, and then Linus Olmark, what'd you guys think of him? Obviously the one goal against, um, Again, not really anything to worry about. Just a quick little loss of puck in the scrum. Came up with a couple of pretty solid saves, I would say, in, in big moments when the Bruins needed it before they took the lead and even after they grabbed it. Um, I assume we'll see Swayman in that against Nashville, especially since it's the next 
you know, only home game before they go out for a road trip, give them one at home to start the season. Uh, but a, a good first start looked like Omar picking up right where he left off. Yeah, yeah he, I thought... he jumped right in and continued with his Vezina year. And like you said, that that one goal that Bedard was able to sneak around and tuck in, other than that, basically had the shot on it. And there were certainly some some shots that could have gone in and against a, a lesser goalie and caused some problems, especially in such a, a close game. So, yeah, I think Allmark had a great game for that one. Yeah, yeah I think uh, it was a real tester. Um, I, I don't think it was a great offensive team, but it was one of those ones where he didn't have a lot of shots against. It was, what, like 21 shots? And the ones that were uh, were pretty intense. And he, he had to go from, you know, zero to 100. And I think that's something that a you know less experienced goaltender might have more trouble with. But yeah, he looked great. Yeah, I think in the second period, Blackhawks only had like four shots, which that's going to be super easy to fall asleep over twenty minutes, only seeing four shots. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a good sign, though, from the Bruins' defense. We didn't talk too much about the defense yet. Um, I thought McAvoy looked pretty good. Hampus Lindholm looked pretty good with the one exception of when he got stirred by Bedard in the first period. Uh, I was worried that was going to be a little bit too early, but um, he also did, good. He denied Bedard, Bedard later yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't a rush, but it was a prevented rush. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the Bruins' defense did a good job of recognizing where the threats were within Chicago's lineup and you know making sure they had coverage there. Um, Speaking of uh, preventing... Bedard, did you see the little clip of uh, Marshan doing his thing, trying to drag <laughs> Bedard into the Bruins bench? Yeah, it, it has been nice to see that uh, Marshy's not changing his colors too much, uh, <laughs> wearing a C on his jersey. Uh, I, I noticed in the preseason he was also, uh, you know, slashing and getting up in people's faces. Like that's never change. Hey, I'm I, I'm always worried about a player who thrives on stuff like that changing too much um like yeah you want to see a guy who takes cheap shots you know stop doing that and stop getting suspended but it's been years since he's done any of that so um keeping that edge to his game and still being someone that other players can look up to is really good yeah hopefully he's learned where the line is and now he knows how he can get up to the line and then stop right before that and not do something dumb that's going to hurt the team yeah, I think within the league too, at least with with regards to the officials and you know people who are actually blowing the whistle out there, uh, I think his reputation has repaired a little bit over the last few years. I think early in this in his career, obviously to some fault of his own, uh, they were you know anything close was going to be called against him. And I think at this point in his career, he's earned enough respect on and off the ice that you know. Obviously, penalties are penalties, but those borderline ones, they're not blowing it just because it's him anymore, which um, definitely goes a long way for the Bruins and obviously is going to be important throughout this year as he steps into even more of a leadership role. But doesn't doesn't it feel like other players like him more now? Like he used to be the like, yeah, it's like the best player on the team that nobody liked and everyone wanted to fight, but he was too slippery to fight against. Mm hmm. It does feel like, like he's respected. 
what's the effect? Like, you know, like, kind of like some celebrities who are like kind of shitheads sometimes, but like they get old enough and it's like charming. They're like, oh, he was a real piece of shit, but he's like old now. So it's, it's kind it of that. He used to be effect. a piece of shit. Yeah, he used to be a piece of shit. You know, like, you know, they're like, oh, that guy was a real rap, but you know, he's. He's good. He's good at it. So I respect it, kind of thing. Like he's Dangerous Knights Crew. Him. Shout out Dangerous Knights Crew. Mm-hmm. I know we do have to uh, wrap this up here. I got a sloppy steak waiting for me downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know any other any other takeaways uh, from from Game One of eighty two that we can overanalyze because it's the only hockey that we've had in the last few months. No, I think the uh, schedule for the Bruins to start off for the the first. 10 games or so is going to be a great way for the the young guys to really get accustomed. I, I guess the only issue with that is, you know, especially with the, the Potter situation, the, the Bruins only have those nine games and it's not against all really great teams. Granted it is a West coast trip, which is, can be difficult to, to see how the kid's going to do against them because after those nine games, they're going to make that decision on whether to, to burn that first year on him. So it seems like a, a good way for him to get his feet wet, get going, and hopefully he can uh, keep going with it. Yeah, agreed. I think, uh, like you said, the the West Coast trip, I feel like he's always – I feel like the Bruins have this a lot early on in the season. I feel like they're always going West in like the second or third week. Um, but a good opportunity for the, the team to gel, especially with all the new faces in the locker room here. Um, and, and like Pat said, I think a good opportunity for – despite maybe some of the competition not being quite as good as what you'll see later in the year um, to get a look for right, how can this guy do playing every other night with plane rides in between, you know, obviously 19 years old coming from uh, the CHL, you know, can he take the grind of a, an NHL regular season schedule, at least, you know, early on in it, but should be, uh, should be fun. Nice to be watching hockey again. Right. Damn. It's so good to have hockey back. I, <laughs> just such a rough ending to last season and i felt like i just did not care all off season and now man it's so good to have it it's back. it's yeah it's refreshing it's, it's new it's, season it's giving yeah this is the drug we're <laughs> just put it right in me put it's it right like in me. new year's resolutions right it's the same kind of deal just yeah like, oh, you forget about how much of a piece of shit i was last year <laughs> i used to be a piece of shit used to be uh, follow us on Twitter and or whatever the fuck they call it now. Threads? Are we on threads don't, yet? I don't know. I, are I we on threads yet? I live on threads. I'm kind of happy, you know, like I, as much as Elon ruining Twitter is a bummer. Um, it is nice that like we're in this in between stage where like I'm not sure if people are staying on. It's time going to start charging people, which no fucking way. But <laughs> as everybody jumping to threads right now, while I waited, I'm kind of just hiatusing. I'm like, you know what? Everybody will figure it out, and then I'll I'll go meet them there. But I'm not doing this half and half bullshit. Like you know, I hockey think. blue sky is kind of lit though. Is yeah, a, yeah a that's lot what of... you need an invite for, right? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like I was of... I was dumb and I took it for myself from Lancey. I should have just taken it for the podcast. Mm. We get on there and start doing some blue skies. Is that what it's called? Do you do a blue sky? You're just bluing. You're just bluing. Nice. Just like this blueberry beer. <laughs> All right, let's pack it up. Uh, Pat, thanks for having me to the game and for joining us the pod, man. Always Actually, good to see you again. Yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. We'll have to do a uh, full reunion sometime. There's talk of a Bruise and Bruins uh, meetup happening at some point for the Bruce Cruise, so... Ah, in L.A.? <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of like a 
New England town that is like starts with LA, Laconia, New Hampshire, in Laconia, New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, thanks for listening. I feel like I should do some Drew shit. Be like BruceBruins.com. Bye, everyone. Post <laughs> some Drew shit. Drew things. Uh, Druids and shit. Happy spooky season, everybody. <laughs>